Hey everyone, thank you for tuning in to the Generation of Curse Breakers. Um, we will be on this podcast every second to fourth Friday. Every second and fourth Friday, we will be on here. Every fourth Friday, we will have a special guest and a very bonus topic. I just want to thank everybody for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy this new podcast episode named The Identity of a Black Man with Pastor Tyree Beard and Pastor Darius Jenkins. Thank you so much for tuning in. Hey, everybody. Thank you for tuning in once again to the Generation of Curse Breakers. I am Anquanise Pleasant, the visionary of the Generation of Curse Breakers. And today we are talking about the topic, um, the identity of a man, um, a black man. I'm sorry. So today um, this is going to be a basic conversation. Questions will be answered. I have a few people questions that they inbox us through our page. If you have any questions that you want to ask or um, any comments, you could definitely comment below or inbox me through the um, Generation of Curse Breakers page. So I'm going to let our guests introduce themselves. I am Pastor Tyree Beard, the proud pastor of the greatest church in the world, City of David Church. Period. <laughs> <laughs> she better say that. City of David Church on the west side of Chicago. I'm excited to be here. I'm proud of Aquinese for stepping out on faith and following God and doing this show. Amen. I'm Pastor Darius Jenkins of Nourishing Waters and Discipleship of Christ in Berkeley. Also go by the name of Holy Grind. Holy Grind. And uh, man, it's a blessing to be here. I'm honored to be sitting here next to these two wonderful people all today to discuss something that's much, much needed in our community. Amen. Amen. Okay, so the first question I want to ask, um, just let you know, some of these questions y'all do not know, but um, what is generational curses to you? What does that mean to you? Anybody can kick it off. Well, I, I mean, to me, uh, generational curse, it's a, to me, I believe it's a misinterpretation of Exodus. Uh, what's that? Uh, 34 and 7. Uh, and the reason I say it's a misinterpretation is because I have <coughs> taught for years. Um, for years, I have been taught that we have generational curses. It's things that our uh, ancestors have done that we still carry the burden of. But yet the Bible teaches us completely different when you really read and study, study the Bible. Um, you read uh, Deuteronomy. In Deuteronomy, it talks about how... Um, of uh, uh, the father will not be put to death for the sins of the son, neither will the, or the children and the children not be put to death for the sins of the father. Talk about, but whoever was sin, that's who will be put to death for their own sins. Also in Ezekiel, um, the 18th chapter, it talked about in Ezekiel, Ezekiel as well, the same exact thing. It talked about how, um, you know, you will be punished for what you do. You know, you you'll be punished at at for, for for what you do, not for what your what the fathers have done, or what the what the children fathers won't be punished for what the what the children have done. It, I mean, specifically, it talks about the word bear. Now, in Exodus, where it talks about um, generate where they where they, where they put, where it's always been taught to me about generational curses. They talked about how when God said that He will visit the iniquity of the uh, the the fathers upon the children. Mm -hmm. 
He said, visit the iniquity to the third and to the fourth upon the children and the children's children and to the third and to the fourth generation. But when you look at life like now, I will give you a perfect example. I have I have three sons, two daughters. My oldest daughters, they have children. Now, my grandchildren, my grandmother, my grandmother is my children's great grandmother. And my that that's my my grandchildren. That's their great great grandmother. So you forget that's four generations. You're talking about my mother, me, my children, and my grandchildren. That's four generations right there. So anything that happens that's done between them right then and there is going to affect them. It is going to affect mm-hmm. them mm-hmm. how you look at it. Mm-hmm. But it said that's why it says visit them. That's when you think about a visit. That's like a short short term thing. You think about mm-hmm. a visit. However, it's not a curse the way we've been taught that it's been cursed because the Bible tells us that we we don't bear those sins. We don't bear them. Bear means something that you hold, something this that, that you you have to suffer. You know, the Bible tells that we do, we do not bear those sins. So a lot of times, I just think it's a misinterpretation of the word, and a lot of times it can be very hindrance to us, especially when you have so many people that's, that's already trying to um, catch us up. Um, those of us uh, who are, who are Christians who walk in the faith, there's so many people that's already trying to catch us up and being contradictive just to try to dis- dis- discount our faith. You know, it's very careful. We have to be very careful what we uh, how we interpret the word. I agree with the men of God concerning generational curses. I believe that um, there has been a a misinterpretation as well as manipulation of scripture um, concerning generational curses. Um, I'm a firm believer um, that we will have to conquer the sins of our fathers, the sins of our parents. I'm a firm believer that um, that we will have to deal with the sins of our father. We can look through scripture with David having to deal or Solomon having to deal with the sins of his father. Mm-hmm. Solomon being, you know, very promiscuous, I mean, Solomon being very promiscuous, you know, which comes down from the bloodline through the father. Um, and so I don't, I don't, I wouldn't use the word um, curse as loosely as, as this generation has taken it, because I believe that um, under grace, we are washed through the blood of the lamb. And so I, I, I do believe that we have freedom and liberty. I do not believe that saints will be um, possessed, you know, by demonic activity. But I do believe that uh, we do deal with demonic strongholds. We do deal with um, demonic suppression and oppression um, through generational um, sins and through generational um, things that we'll deal with. Uh, For example, if, you know, uh, a daughter was, you know, molested um, as as a child, you know, sometimes that same spirit is passed down through the bloodline where, you know, she bears a child and now that child has to grow up in shame and embarrassment. Mm-hmm. But I do believe in the blood of the lamb being able to wash us clean and make us whole from it. So I do believe that there's a, a misinterpretation of curses and a misapplication and um, also a uh, manipulation concerning. Yeah, definitely agreed. Um, so what does the definition of identity mean to you? Um, not looking at the dictionary, like mm-hmm. what does it personally mean to you? For me, I would say the identity deals with your purpose. Um, we can go all the way back to Genesis when God created man. He created us in his image and in his likeness. He gave us identity. I think through through according to the scripture, through sin is where we lost our identity. <laughs> through sin is where yes, we indeed. lost our purpose. We lost um, our God-given ability. We lost our God-given right and our authority. Um, and so I think that we have done, and, and, and it's a, it's a, 
disservice in this generation because we are now putting unnecessary burden on our leaders and our pastors. And, you know, now we spiritual mom, this spiritual father, this. And, and so we have sort of twisted the scripture and we are looking for man to validate us instead of really turning back and looking to our creator, which is the author and the finisher of our faith. Um, and, and so I believe that our purpose is found ultimately in Jesus Christ. And ultimately, we find our purpose in serving, serving one another, serving in love, serving in the house of God. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Definitely agree. And, 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 and it's so like anytime you think about anything, when you want to know what a car is, you go back to the manufacturer, you go to the manufacturer, you look at the manual. You know, we have a manual. Like you say, we was made in the image and likeness, and likeness of God. That's 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 what we need to go to find out what a man is and what is his purpose. You know, when you read Genesis here, it, it, it tell you flat out what we are supposed to do and what is our purpose and, and what's our identity. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just that now it's so sad. Now we allow others and outside people to give us an identity, mm-hmm. to tell us what mm-hmm. we are supposed to be and who we're supposed to be. It's so tricky, man. Let me, let me tell you something. When I think about that, it's so tricky because talk. Talk, I talk to people and they ask, well, um, if you haven't done your history, you haven't researched your completely where you come from, how could you say that you are uh, uh, you are Judah? You know, and I said, well, I just it's, it's hard for me not to when I read this Bible and I hear Genesis 49 and it talks about how the scepter will not depart out of Judah's hand. And you think about a scepter, you think about a leader, correct? Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's the one who lead. Mm-hmm. Why is it that we as a people, black people, why is that everything that we do, everybody copies off of it? Mm-hmm. Because we are God's chosen people, exactly. according to scripture. Exactly. If, if we can trace it back to Deuteronomy, you go through Deuteronomy and you look at the the prophetic word that's given to God's given people, which was the Jews, you will see there's no other race on the entire earth that fits that description. There's none (laughs) where he says, I'm going to send boats, where he says, um, you'll be known as a byword. You know, when we look at this, when we talk about African-American, we are not African-American. That is that is a word that was given to us in the 60s and 70s by Jesse Jackson. And the scripture says that you shall be known as a byword. We are the only race of people on the entire earth who go by what other people call us instead of our true Hebrew traits or or traces. If you notice that we are the only race in the entire world who is known by a color, Hmm. black or known by, you know, African-American. How can you be two continents? Period. (laughs) Period. Not to mention, we was was around before the continent was even named Africa. I mean, because the original name Africa was given by by Greeks. Uh, If you you study the history. uh, First name, I forgot. Kushites. And then Africans. Africans. And after they, after they, after they conquered the northern part of the continent, then they called that, they called it Africa. But the the original word, I think, was Elkadelum or something. I'm hard to explain. I can't remember. I studied that probably about two, three months ago. And um, it just so happened I was, we was talking about that. And actually the word, the original name of Africa, it stands for Garden of Eden or Mother of Mankind. Mm-hmm. So it's just like Maywood. You got Maywood, you got Bellwood, you got Hillside or whatever. Once they came in, they conquered that outline. Then they said, well, this is Africa. Actually, it's more, uh, it was attached to that continent. Now we come from that continent, but we are not Africans. You know what I mean? And it's, no, we're, it, not. It, we're not Africans. And it's funny because, and, and this is why I say the deception 
this is how the deceptions come in and how they trick us. Because going back to what I was saying about the scepter, it's like we carry the scepter. Everybody follow after us. And we have an identity. If we go back to God, we figure out what our identity is. However, they trick us and they give us identities. The perfect reason is now is because by, by them knowing that everybody follow after what we do. Okay, what do they do? They put us, some of us who are in, a lot of us in entertainment and things like that. Um, they put us on a pedestal or, or, or sports. They make us idols. And then what they do, they get other people to dress them. They get other people to tell them what to wear. You know, you need to wear this. This is what you should wear. This is what you should wear. All along, they're putting the identity that they want people to see you as because you're put on this pedestal and you set up high so other people will follow you. And all. And then now you got a bunch of people following you that is an identity that somebody else gave you. Yeah. You, you, you see what I'm saying? Well, and we can even look, if, if you go to the book of Daniel and you study the book of Daniel, you study it really closely that... When you study the book of Daniel, you cannot study Daniel without studying Revelation. Yeah. When it talks about the 70 weeks and you talk you talk about um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and you, you, you hear them um, not bowing to an idol that was placed before them. Mm -hmm. And so when we look at entertainment industry today and we look at you know social media and you look at Instagram, that um, when, you, when you fall into that, you are falling into a Babylonian empire mm -hmm. where you are bowing to a culture, when you are bowing to... Um, idolatry. And, and I think that if we dig deeper into it, um, I, I love this show because it, it deals with, you know, breaking the breaking the code of the culture. Yeah. And if you notice throughout slavery, throughout history, in order to dominate the people, you got to take away their culture, folks. <laughs> and if you take away their culture, you get their mind. And so we look at a whole generation that's being drawn away by the culture. Drawn away by the culture. You look at the music. The Bible talks about it in the New Testament. talks about that the enemy is a prince of the power of the air. That whoever controls the airways controls the mind of the people. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. So what do you think this generation of young men need in order to align with the sole purpose of being a man? With the sole purpose of being a man. First of all, it, it, it seems cliche, but we need God. We need the word of God. We need to get it down inside of us. The true word. The true word of God. You know, and also we need men. We need men. The, the boys, they need their fathers. You know, we're men present, but we was talking about that earlier. Yeah. You know, we was talking about how um how they've done such a they've done such a great job at taking the man out of the household with emasculating emasculating the man and that's what we need to change you know we we get so wrapped up in one of the things handed out to us and and allowing the government to rule over our homes rather than allowing the men you know said so to rule over the homes making them accountable and that's what we need i mean we Can have we deal to, with that for one second? Let's please, please deal um, with that. And let's so when please. we when we talk about the accountability of a man and we talk about the structure of the household, if we look at it as far as uh, as far as black people, and if we can, well, first we need to understand that our history did not start with slavery. Sure, it did. It just was interrupted with slavery. Exactly. But because if, our if, own disobedience. It's correct. And so if we look at it from the history of man through slavery, um, you can look at how the slave master. Um, through torture, has always um, tried to manipulate and emasculate the man. Mm -hmm. Even through buck breaking, where they would rape the man out in front um, in order to destroy the 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 pride and the and the and the family structure. Um, and you know, it was it was always a thing to sell the man 
or they would rape the they would rape the wives in front of the men in front of the men in front of the men and and they would sell the men away. And so if we look through history and and even we you know and and society paints um, and I, I want to say this and I want to be very clear because society and the news paints um, the black family as being the biggest recipient of welfare, the biggest recipient of link cards, the biggest recipient of Section Eight. But if we if we go through history and we look that after the Great Depression when Section Eight and when Medicaid and all of that stuff um, was created, they didn't. They never had black people in mind. No, they didn't. And, sure and if, did. if we they look, sure if did. we look at the history of public aid, the only way white America was was ninety eight percent was ninety eight percent of the welfare. And if we look at it, in order for a family to get on welfare, starting in the sixties, they would tell the father he couldn't be in the home, and so the mother had a choice of either I'm going to raise my family and we die of of starvation. Or I'm going to have to put this man out in order to receive government assistance, and so the attack has always been against been against the man, and always will be uh, against the man, always, always will be, um, <laughs> and and so we 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 got to dig deeper into it and, and understand that Section Eight was never created for 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 African Americans or or blacks. Neither was public aid, uh-huh. and 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 if if we want to, and and they use public aid to turn us against one another. But if we look at even even the uh, economic crisis in 2008, if we if we want to say, you know, welfare. But I remember that when they were giving out stimulus packages, who were the recipients of it? United Airlines, American Airlines. I think that's public aid. <laughs> that's that's what I call that is, it. Am I right? That's what public aid. That's is. what public aid is. is. And so while the while we term the, the ghetto mother sitting on the corner. You know, getting braids, getting seven hundred dollars a month. What about companies getting seven hundred million? Or getting bailed out of, about bailed, bailed out of all these bogus house deals that they didn't done when we yeah. had. Correct. And and this and this is the thing, you know, it's so crazy because if you look at it, it's set up for us to divide us and conquer us, like you say, and for us to fail. If they really cared about us as a people, if they really cared about us as a people, and this is and this is the accountability that I'm talking about. If they cared about us as a people, the government's why people always have a hard time with, with talking about well, we I'm a Democrat, I'm this, I'm that man. Democrats have Democrats has been crippling us because we haven't been accountable for ourselves. Now I'm not telling you which way to vote or was not not the way to vote, but don't be turning a blind eye to what's really going on. They they push welfare and we think we think, okay. There were no we, Democrats we, in the. If you look at Lyndon Bain Johnson when he signed the Civil Rights Act, everyone was Republican, and they went against him and flipped to Democrats. Him, during during slavery, all the blacks were Republicans. And no, so there really was no. There really was no, no party. De- and Democratic so, Party. Correct. Now check this out. Now, now we look at it as if they really cared about us, and this is what I'm saying. If they really cared about us, why would you tell somebody that? Oh, I'm not going to help you, or I'm not going to assist you. Unless if the man is in the home, when we already know for it's a fact that the best, the the, the, the most successful children come from a household where there's two parents in the household. Correct. Mm-hmm. OK, so why would you take one out instead? Why don't you tell them, listen, I'm not going to give you any assistance unless the father and the mother is in the household. What that would do, that will make the woman even say, well, before I lay down with you to have some kids, I'm not going to be left out in the cold. You know, so what they would do in turn, what they would end up doing is start making better decisions. Some people say, well, they still would be having babies and they still be doing this. And I said, well, I could argue that all day because the generation I come up with, I've seen a woman, a woman, women who have said, I'm not having sex with this man unless he got money. 
You know what I'm saying? So they have a standard at which they hold. I'm not finna mess with no just no anybody. I'm not messing with them if he this type of guy. So it, it's it's not it's proven that a woman can say well they can set they set they their standards. That some people say some women set their standards too high. Some people say some women set their standards too whole too low. <laughs> but that's but but and they call them that. But regardless of that. If they was if, if if you would say that I'm not going to assist you unless both parents are in the home, then that will make them decide like, wait a minute, let me think about before I make this decision to lay down and have these kids. Instead, that's what the government pushes on us. What do we see? We see the man pushed out of the home, the man running away from home, the child sees the man running from the home when they come in to check on them. All this and the, what this continue to do, the the, the boys in the home, they see the masculinity, the demasculation. Of the man, so what they look, they look at mom, and then again, like you said back in the day when they used to demasculate the the uh, uh, the men in front of the women. Now what what are they doing? Now they're looking at master. They see okay, well mom answered to him. Who is dad? Dad's nobody. Dad's nobody. Dad don't have any power to get us mm -hmm. out this jam. Dad don't have. He's not in control. So now, young man, what what does he? He grow up thinking that the man's not supposed to be in control. And you, you, you said something very powerful, and, and we can go back through scripture and trace scripture uh, up to even now, um, that if you start in the book of Exodus, remember when Moses comes on the scene, there was a decree made that all the male children had to die. Had to die. And then we, we can go up to, um, to the, the New Testament when Jesus comes on, Herod makes a decree when Jesus comes that in order to kill the king, What's going to happen? Every baby Kill the male seed. Kill and so let's let's go deeper than that because it's a Herod spirit that is still in the earth realm. That if 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 we look at it, if we look at it, if we look at it statistically as well, that the enemy really wants to destroy black men. Yes, which is the kings that God set in the earth realm. And if we really look at it, contraceptives was never made for whites. Mm. If mm. if we really want to look at it through history. Contracept abortions are never marketed to to Caucasians. No, they're, no, not. they're not. If no, we look at not. the abortion clinics, you only find them in what neighborhood? Yeah. You only find, now let's 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 go deeper than that. If we look at malt liquor, malt liquor is only sold in black neighborhoods. Yep. We do know that, right? Yeah. And so if we look at malt, it, malt, which is a representation, or if you you break it all down, all malt is is rat poison, which sterilizes the men. Hmm. It's always been about killing the male seed. Always. 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 Always since the beginning of time. We can study through history, through through biblical. It's always the seed of Herod to kill the male seed. The scripture says if you smite the shepherd, then what's going to happen? The sheep will scatter. And so if you kill the male seed, then there'll be no representation of God in the earth realm. No glorification of them as well, which is the purpose that we was put here. Isaiah 43 and 7 tell us about it. We were put here to glorify God. Yes, and if you can stop the reproduction, you can stop the reproduction of life. That's why they put homosexuality. That's why they put lesbianism. That's why they, they trying to destroy us. Because if you can stop, if the enemy do his best to stop the creation of life, then you stop the glorification of God. So... Um, you guys were definitely talking about the masculinity in the black community. How can that be put back into the black community, um, especially in the homes? Growing up, we didn't get to see, well, my generation, we really, it was very rare that you got to see dad and granddad. You, you was very rare that you got to see the, um, the positive role model of um, a male. The uncles used to step up back then. The uncles don't step up no more. 
So how can that masculinity be talked back into the black homes? Like what needs to be done? You go ahead. Because it's like almost, we, go, we feed off each other for real. I, 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 I'm enjoying this. Now, now, now <laughs> to bring masculinity back in the home, man, first and foremost, we got to get it right. You know, I've made it, and it's, it's sometimes some things ain't ain't so it's not so deep. It's the fact that I choose to raise my children under the nurture and admonition of the Lord. You know, I know what God requires. If you know what God requires of you as a man, then it's easier for you to raise a son to be a man. You know, but if you if you have if you were never taught how to be a man. You know, if you were never taught what is the blueprint to be in a man, if you're like, well, what's the blueprint? Well, you have a Bible that teaches you about the laws, the standards of which God requires for me to, for me to live by as a man. You know, I'm is a pastor, Stephen Darby, Star, Stephen Darby, rest his soul. And um, he, he had talked about how in Genesis he said, well, what's he was talking about the purpose of a man? And he had said, the man, what was man put here to do? And one of the things he talked, he said, man was put everybody, of course, everybody was put here to dominate. Um, he, uh, and the other thing that he told him to do was to name. He named all the animals and, and, and the birds and all, he, he named all these things. And when you when you think about that, he even even woman, he said God created woman. But Adam, Adam he created Eve, but Adam made Eve his wife. He said she is this. She came from me. She is flesh of my flesh, bone of my bone. Her name, she shall be called woman. Our job is to name. Now, when I when I say that, we we have to look at a thing, analyze it as a man, and say that's what it is. As a man, I'm supposed to look at something and say, you know what? That's wrong. I'm not supposed to do it. That's naming it. I'm gonna look at this and say, well, that's right. I'm gonna look at this and say, I should try that. You know, even when it comes to lead my my household and my family, when it comes to my wife, even though she allows me to to, to govern our marriage. Uh, when it comes a point in time where I have to say, well, you may be more informed than that, then you go ahead. I see that. I can understand. I can see and analyze that you're more equipped or you're more knowledgeable in that area. Why don't you handle that? You know, and if I if I'm if I'm operating under the sense of what God told me to operate, then I could teach my sons the same thing. You know, I teach them to do the exact same thing and well, not the exact same thing, but I teach them the same principles at which I operate under. And then if I do that, then there's no way for me to go wrong. But when you get out of when you get out of line with what God God requires of you as a man, and you start venturing off into all this other stuff and compromising with the world and what the world say about well, it, it, people shouldn't feel like that or or it's it's okay to be different. Yeah, it's okay to be different, but God don't make mistakes. I can't change what God has created me. And you know where I'm going with this. You know what I mean? These are the type of things that are killing us as a people. We're killing ourselves off. And if we don't, if we don't stand up for what's right, you know, like I say, we'll fall for anything. You understand what I'm saying? I definitely do. I, I um I totally agree with what he said. And and you know, we can always trace it back um to the book of Genesis where we were created. Um the scripture is very clear where he said, um, I created male and female together um, and out out of male came female and the bible says that he brought it before adam and he named it whatever adam would name it 
And so I think as men, we got to take our rightful places back um, as far as giving definition to things. It is the male role and responsibility to give definition to things. And when we go to the Garden of Eden, the scripture is very clear where man fail when ultimately, you know, we did fall, you know, when we were tricked by Satan. But I believe that the major fall came in is when Adam went against God's rulership for man when he takes something from a woman. Our anatomy is not even set up for a man to take anything from a woman, but our anatomy is set up where the man is supposed to give to a woman. And I believe that men will fall every single time when we give up our rightful position as being the givers um, and we move to the um, subservient position of always being takers of everything. I'm glad you said that because I and that and 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 what you saying that me agreeing with that. I don't even think that man was tricked. He knew just like he was able to name everything when she brought it back to him. When when, when he partook of the fruit, he knew what he was doing. He knew it was wrong, but it maybe it was you know who knows it could have been fearful that man you know, man what God gonna do? You know what I mean I just think about us as as we we are so. Those of us who are men, we are prote protective. And I know a lot of men that do something out of their character for a woman. And knowing that it's wrong, you know, we know it's wrong. And we do, men would do stuff out of character for a woman knowing that it's wrong. And I believe he knew what he was partaking because when God asked him, he, what did he say? He said, this woman that you gave me, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, so he knew it was wrong. He knew it was wrong. I, I don't even think he was tricked. And that's that's the funny thing about it is, you know, well, it's not a funny thing. But nowadays, that's what it is. It's more people that's just giving in and conforming to things, especially as men. We have to stop conforming. We have to be OK with fighting against people. We have to be OK with uh, uh, uh uh, people uh, uh, talking about us or, or bashing us for being righteous. You know, it's like we, we have a problem with being persecuted when that's what Christ was persecuted. You know, you got to stand for what's right. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, I mean, sleeping with whoever they want to sleep with. Don't even want to get married. You know, God said, if you love me, keep my commandments. But they do everything but keep his commandments. <laughs> so that's my take on it. I agree. And I, I don't... I don't necessarily believe it's a self-love issue. I believe it's a self-awareness issue. Um, I, I don't believe that we are aware of who we truly are um, in the earth realm um, as as men, especially black men. Amen. And so I, I think that, again, when we come back to realizing who we are and who we are created to be in the earth realm, um, I think that we'll be much better um, as men, especially Amen. black men as a whole. Amen. I see the question. She says, um, how to be a man when they don't have any guidance. Go ahead. Go ahead, man. How to be um, a man. I think that's where our pastors come in. I think that's where um, not only just our pastors, I, I think, you know, the men in our family um, come in hand um, as well. But um, I think our pastors play a important role um, in helping shape the direction of the fatherless yes. um, as well. So I think I think our family and I, I think our, our church is not just our pastors, men in church in general. You know, I remember back in the day, you know, you would have the deacons, they would help raise the boys, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. um, you know, back in the day, all of us, you know, got old we stories of, of yeah, yeah. And, and 
you know, back in the day, they would show up at school. Mm-hmm. And, and so I, I think I think it's it's more of a, a, a community thing and, and shouldn't just be on a responsibility of, you know, one person. Um, but it takes a village to raise a child. And I think that that Amen. has definitely left my generation. It takes a village to raise a child because then nobody won't. They, they, they don't, don't nobody want anybody saying anything to their kids, mm-hmm. especially when they're wrong. Mm-hmm. I was raised. If such and such got to come down the street and tell me that you did something, they gonna whoop you, and then when you get home, <laughs> you gonna get a whooping mm-hmm. too. But you ain't that old, yeah. No, seriously, no, seriously. <laughs> when we was living on Green, that's how it was. We went out that gate. The next door, the lady next door used to wow. call my granddaddy, and he used to come and whoop us. <laughs> wow. But that's just how we were raised. But it's just like I feared adults growing up, mm-hmm. like because if you call my mama, I know I'm gonna get it. And ain't no telling what she gonna tell you to do to me. But I've learned that a lot of people in my generation wasn't raised like that. And I feel that a lot of people um, don't want everybody hand in raising their kid, mm-hmm. especially when it comes to teaching um, right and wrong. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why a lot of people don't respect adults. The kids don't respect the adults. They don't respect their elders. That's why they're doing a lot of things because my mama said I ain't have to listen to you. Basically, that's mm-hmm. what it was. Mm-hmm. So I, I definitely think it's who you surround yourself with and putting positive role models and positive influence, um, not just around yourself, but around your children as yeah. well. Yes, sir. Um, so I think it's, you know, because it, it, it can be very dangerous in the generation we live, you know, where, you know, you just people get molested, you know, um, and you don't want anyone putting into your child what you're not putting into them. Yeah. And so it's just surrounding yourself with people that you trust and have the same like-minded goals that you have um, uh, for your ch- for your child. Yeah, that's definitely. Um, so that is actually our discussion for today. We actually went over. Um, I want to thank you guys for coming in. You guys it's are pleasure. the first meals I it's got pleasure. to get on this podcast. It's it pleasure. Really hard to get meals on this podcast. I don't know why. But um, thank y'all so much. Thank y'all for tuning in. If y'all have any more comments. I hope we did a good job I to the online audience. Yeah, 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 definitely. Hope we did thank a- y'all for tuning in so definitely. much. Share, share, share. And if you missed the whole podcast recording, um, it will be up Monday where you can listen to it on Anchor, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts. And we actually have other episodes coming up too. So next month, I am really excited about next month as much as excited I was, as I was about this one. Next month, we're actually going into talking about um, why should I be married? Um, I did a survey and the question was, do you think um, marriage is the end goal for you? And 99% said no. Um, 85% said that marriage does not last in the black community. And 75% said there is no need to hold a marriage and be in a relationship. (laughs) So I feel that uh, my generation is very lost. And um, we're going to have six couples come in. We have a couple that was together for 35 years. We have a couple that's been together since middle school. And we have a brand new couple that just got married a year ago. So it's going to be very interesting to hear those conversations. So definitely tune in the fourth Saturday of March. And I just want to thank everybody for tuning in. Thank y'all. Share, share, share. Like our um, Facebook page, The Generation of Curse Breakers. 
And I'll see you guys in three weeks. Bye. One more person had a question, oh. I think. What does it say at the end? This one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I recently explained to a man that we as women say we want a man. However, many of us don't even know what a man looks like because we have had no examples. So our version of a man is fantasy of what society says. A lot of men spend a lifetime trying to live up to what society say. They should be put, they should be, they should, what society say they should be. But just like Pastor Deborah said, it's what God says. So start with your relationship with God. And I'm no man, so I'm just throwing things out there. And 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 that's true. But but one thing I I do want to say about that is you do have examples of what a man. You're looking at two men sitting before you right now, and what you have to do is make up in your mind that once you have an example of a man, um, not to confuse it with the boy who's the age of a man. <laughs> if that makes sense to you. <laughs> and, and I, I want to I say this because we, we must keep it in biblical perspective that the God we know showed up in the earth realm as a what? Man. As a what? Man. And so the example that he gave came in an earthly form. And for us, we can never say that there are no examples. examples. I do believe in this scripture. I do believe that God always has somebody in the earth realm that we can look to. Even so, Jeremiah, I'm going to give you passes after my, after my own heart. Mm. Now, if we go to the book of Acts, the Bible says that when they were looking for a sign, the apostle said, look on us. Yeah. They never said, look, to, they said, look on us yeah. because they became godly examples. And so I do believe that God still has Godly men and women in the earth realm for us to pattern ourselves after and to look to. I guess I'm gonna ask you about that too, man. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm good because you know I think and that, and that's mm-hmm. what that's what that's mm-hmm. what I think hurts hurts us is because mm-hmm. we take the humanity away from Christ. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. why they they feel like that. Mm-hmm. Like we take the humanity away from Christ. Mm-hmm. We forget that at the God of the enemy, what he has if. If it be, let this cup so pass. Me. So we we see him on his way to be resurrected. He had to go through the agony of the of the cross. He had to go through the agony of the garden, and so that becomes a godly example of how we all going to be crushed and mm. suffer as a man. Now let's look at this because if we look at the word mentor, let's look at the word. Let's break it down. It is mentoring Tour. other lives. That's all it is. And so when we look at look for a mentor, it is you touring somebody else's life. And when you choose to tour somebody else's life, you still got to be able to find God in that person. It's not saying you're going to be perfect. Right. It's not saying exactly. that you're going to you're going to get everything right. Wow, say that again. It's not saying that you're going, going to be, be perfect. perfect. Exactly. Because I, I think that that's when we fail is when we're looking for perfect people. Yeah. The last perfect person to walk this earth was Jesus Christ. And he is he is gone. And so we are imperfect people constantly being perfected. Mm. And when you stop looking, because we live in a generation now where everyone, you know, wants to wants to air out everyone's imperfections. Right. Without realizing that you are an imperfect person yourself. Mm-hmm. And I also think it's um, expectations on people. You got to stop having expectations on people. You have to because your expectations. Well, let me let me qualify that because we all yeah. got expectations of people. But when we have unrealistic expectations, there it is. That's unrealistic. Just unrealistic. Like unrealistic. you had an expectation of us coming on this show to answer questions, yeah. But you didn't have an expectation of us raising an offering. Yeah. 
Right. And so it's when you have unrealistic expectations in which our feelings are hurt. Yeah. And so we got to learn not to put unrealistic expectations on certain people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and so I think that we all do a disservice when we place unrealistic expectations on our heroes. We place them on a the pedestal. And when they don't meet the demands of the pedestal we place them on, then we fault that person. Exactly. When, when, in real, when in reality, it wasn't their fault. It's your fault for placing them on the pedestal that they don't have the qualifications to live up to. And that's what mm-hmm. I was trying to get to. We yeah. give them no space for error. Yeah. Correct. Yes. Correct. Amen. Correct. And so I just wanted to make sure that we oh, are perfectly clear um, when we under when we understand that that God is is until he comes back, he's always going to have a representation of himself in the earth realm. Yes. Always. He's always, always going to be a godly man or woman in the earth realm um, that we have the ability to look up to. So look for that reflection. Look for that person that reflect Christ. Mm-hmm. You want to see a man? That's what you look for. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there it is. And follow if if his pattern is following Christ, then you have the ability to trust him. Amen. Because everyone has a potential to follow him, but they is that your pattern? Yeah, that pattern. Ooh, that is good. That's, That's good. good. <laughs> That's good. So, I hope we help somebody. Yeah. I hope we help somebody. I've learned today too, and we're constantly in this thing to learn from one another. Yes, definitely. Definitely, definitely yeah, shout definitely. with me. I appreciate yeah. you. Definitely appreciate you. Yeah. So that is our good job, Aquanis. <laughs> Thank you, Pastor. <laughs> Thank y'all for tuning in. Thank y'all. I'm looking um, at these comments over here now. I, 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 and, and, and that goes back to what you said when we start dealing with purpose and identity. That when you study the book of Genesis very clearly, you would see that the fathers, the father had the responsibility of always giving that child their identity. Yes, indeed. You know, and, 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 and you go through, you know, you go through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They would, you know, give their child a name that would coincide with their occupation for life. Yeah. And so um, I, I think it's very important that we as fathers and mothers, when we, you know, have children, that we got to make sure that we are giving them their purpose and their identity. I'm a firm believer. Um, I'm a firm believer. You know, I, I got sons, I got you know kids. I never let my children choose what they were going to be in life. I always chose it for them. Always. And, you know, some people thought it was crazy. Some people thought it was loony. But I told them what they were going to be. I didn't I didn't let them get their identity um, from anyone else. I always told them what they were going to be. But that also going to what me and um, Pastor Darius was talking about. I was mm-hmm. basically saying that the father does give the, ch- the children their identity. But I think there is a... Um, I think there's like a, religion is passed down through the mother, identity is passed down through the father. Thank you, because I really feel that people try to raise all their kids the same, and you can't do that because everybody has their own individual identity. Like mm-hmm. you said, you gave your children, you knew what your children was going to do. Oh, you're mm-hmm. going to do this, you're going to do that because mm-hmm. you know, you mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. your kids, you know mm-hmm. how they're going to grow up and be. Mm-hmm. So I think that is a big thing in the community, especially the black community. Everybody try to raise the kids, all the kids the same. Well, I might not need that much attention, mm-hmm. but my little sister Alyssa, she may need all the mm-hmm. attention. So I think that has that has a big part to play with it. And then also sometimes I see this a lot too. If the father is in the life of the children, they sometimes give up on the kids because they don't know what to do with them. Because mm-hmm. just because you love me a certain way, that's that's not how you can love my little sister. She's not mm-hmm. a touchy touchy feely type of person. 
So you have to give her words of affirmation. With me, a hug is fine and we can keep going. Mm -hmm. So I feel that that is another big part in the community. And also, um, women need to learn how to step back a little bit. And I'm probably going to get kicked for saying that. But I really don't, I really don't care because it's, it's the truth because this is my interpretation of um, in Genesis, we always fall for potential. I believe Eve fell for the apple or whatever she ate, the garden, for potential. It, potentially, it looks good. So I'm going to go ahead and go ahead and, and try because this is what I see. This is what I'm hearing. And potentially, this can be good for me. But she knew it wasn't. We know. We just do stuff out of emotions and potential. But if she would have stayed in her place mm -hmm. and let him guide her and do what she was supposed to do, that thing could have been deterred. You said something very powerful. And I, I taught a lesson before um, and it was very powerful and life changing. Um, and I believe that it's a principle um, that we all need to adapt because, you know, with us being churchgoers, with us being, you know, um, believers in God and, and, and all of that, we as a people, we'd love to fall in love with potential without understanding or knowing or studying the pattern of a person. Yes. We promote people based on potential, potential without necessarily watching their pattern. Yes. We get hurt by judging people off of potential and not watching their pattern. That's true. Um, and, and whenever you start to understand that potential sometimes can be the greatest liar because you... Potentially can be great, but your pattern suggests that you're a liar. Your potential says that you can be a great leader, a great follower, but your pattern suggests that you are a snake. And in, until their pattern starts to line up with their potential, then we should not give them our whole heart. I think that's very important for women and for men. It's to love the potential, but trust the pattern. Holiness is a lifestyle. We all have the potential. Holiness is a lifestyle. We all have potential. We all have potential, but holiness is a lifestyle. And and especially when it comes to giving somebody your heart, we do, a, uh, my wife and I, we do a lot of uh, uh, marital uh, counseling. And one of the things that I, I have always said was that never give, never give anyone your heart. And I remember the first time talking about it, I said, you never give a man your heart. Well, I thought you're supposed to give your husband a heart. You're supposed to give your wife your heart. I said, you never give me your heart. You give them place in your heart. Yeah. See, we clumsy as human beings. We'll break your heart. But see, God, you give God, you give God your heart. You can give me place in your heart, but give your heart to God. God, the only one that can heal, heal, heal. God can heal wounds that a man can never heal. He can heal wounds that a woman can never heal. He will never break your heart. You understand? But but we we we're human. We make mistakes. We do things, and and at times it can't. We, it can be very detrimental to your livelihood, to my livelihood. When you 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 set yourself up for destruction when you give your heart to somebody, because they, you never know what what may happen or what may occur. You know, with that individual that you give it to, and like I said, we clumsy, we people. So you don't believe you should give your heart? I don't believe you should give you should give your heart to God. You give them place. The to scripture your heart. is very clear when it when it comes down to marriage. When it tells the woman submit to your husband, but it tells the, the husband to love the wife as, as Christ as Christ has loved the church. Exactly. And so I'm um, willing to die for my wife. And when he says submit and so, to the wife, but if you're willing to die for something, it means she has your entire heart. No, I, no, not necessarily because God has my see God. God's the one to tell me how to love my wife. 
If I give God my heart, he's going to te he teaches me. But he how told to you how to love your wife. He said, exactly. as, as I love the church. Was who who told me that? To die for it. Who told me that? That's what that's what the scriptures uh, declare. Right. And that's what God told me. Correct. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So if that's what God told me. I'm going to do what God say over okay. anything. Okay. That's what I mean. It's over. It's what God said. God is first. He tells me to put him first. He said, I want you to love me with all your heart, mind, and soul. Mm -hmm. The second is like unto it. He said, love thy neighbor as thyself. Mm -hmm. So he said, I want you to love me more than anything. See, when you give, when you give, you it's, it's that's why you have so many people. They say, uh, uh, so many people that they will kill, they will kill their mate for doing certain things. And, you know, uh, because they, they give them too much. And then as soon as they make a mistake, you know, I, I mean, personally, we're dealing with somebody with that like that right now where it was infidelity. So how do you judge how much you give to a person? How, how do you judge how much you give to mm -hmm. them? It should never come to a place where it alters your salvation. If it alters your salvation, you've given them too much. Qualify that for me. Explain it to me. If you alter your salvation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If you love somebody so much mm -hmm. that you will kill them, they have your heart. Okay. Yeah, it should never come to that. Because you that because basically what's happening is you there's a wound that no one can heal. But if you give it to God, God can heal it. Man can't. That's how you get some people to get through things like infidelities, breakups. Things like that. He said, I want you. He, he don't say, I want you to love them with all your heart, mind, and soul. He said, I want you to love me with all your heart, your mind, and your soul. We have to give it to God. But one thing about it, God is not going to mislead you or misguide you in your marriage or anything <coughs> of, the, of that nature. And that's just, uh, and, and, and it always works. You know, I tell my wife all that. Even when I, when, I, when, I, when I met my wife, mm -hmm. I was looking for a woman that feared God. Because mm -hmm. I want somebody to know they got they got somebody they're accountable to God. Be scared of what God gonna do. Mm -hmm. Don't be scared of what I'm gonna do to you <laughs> if you do something wrong. You know, so so we have a question from <laughs> the audience. They said, um, how do we how do we reverse the woman being the dominant one in the house? <laughs> how do we reverse it? They say, how does she reverse it? That should have been a question. <laughs> what is that? How do we? <laughs> I know. I see. I'm just playing. I was looking at that, too. That's a good question. What do you think, Pastor? What do I think about? Say the question one more time. How do we reverse the woman being the dominant Is, is she about? asking pertaining to women as a whole or, or men? Taisha, are you asking <laughs> pertaining women as a whole That's or men? Direct question to you. I mean, if we want to answer how she wrote it, how do we, it, and it, it reads to me like she's suggesting that how do women reverse? I think it's trusting in, in the one that God has placed before you or, or beside you. I think it's, it's, and, and if we look at society, society does teach women to be more dominant. You know, they, they really promote women more, Definitely. you know, um, give women, you know, a better platform than they would men. Um, and so I think it's, it's a woman understanding her role and accepting her role without letting outside in interference or outside elements uh, interfere and lead her differently. Yeah, she said she was pertaining to us as a whole. Okay. As a whole, as a I whole. hope I answered it correctly. And I, I like when you said um, that women got to be accountable to 
They got to be accountable to who they allow to enter. You got to be accountable. You got to look at it like Pastor was talking about earlier. You got to stop looking at potential. You know, you got to look at a person's lifestyle. Look at what they practice. And you got to hold yourself responsible because you got some women that say, well, I want to be, I want to be the dominant. I don't want to be the dominant one, but I'm not meeting any man that's like that. Then don't give yourself to that man. Don't open yourself to that. If he's not gonna, if he's not gonna step up to the plate and be that one, then 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 then, then why give yourself to him? You know. But I think that also goes back to the um, potential and the patterns. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like I said, yeah. we be like, oh, he has such good potential. He he gonna change. And but he's a crack at it. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's that's his that's his pattern. Yeah. And so you know, once you get with him, you know, yeah, the okay. the potential was there, but. And can the, I tell you, the pattern should never be ignored. Yes. And even then, you know, that's how you move the hand of God on situation. Even like, even when you're dealing with in marriages and things, when you have the woman who's more dominant, you know, oh, if sometimes we get so wrapped up in what we can do with our own hands or what we can do, what we can say to change things, and we would just operate in the role that God desires for us to operate in, then God can change the situation for you. But I think also, you know how you be like, I got a pro- I got a problem with text. I got a problem <laughs> with the way society brings up women. Like we are trained from the beginning how to be nurturers. Like we're naturally like, um two weeks ago we talked about um self-love and self-hate and like self-care, especially as a woman. You know, we are trained at a young age, you take care of everybody else first, everybody else come first, and then you come later if you have enough time. So I honestly feel that there isn't enough training for men on how to be men, on how to be fathers and how to, you know, sustain those roles that they're supposed to have. I don't think that it's, they're not held at the same caliber as women are. And I'm, I'm explain that to me. I, I, could, I know what she's saying. Cause they, they, they said it right here. <laughs> you just get, it says, uh, I'm gonna read this to you. Then I'm, I'm gonna elaborate on it. It says, uh, LOL, I think as a whole, we put too much on a woman. That's the problem. The church teaches how to be a wife, but don't teach the man how to be a husband. Then the next one says, but they are not training the men. And what and what I believe what what's being said is the, the problem is, and I'm not if you are in a church and there's no accountability, accountability to the man in the church. Then you have to ask your question, are you in the right place? I'm just gonna be honest. We don't want to talk about these things, but the truth of the matter is, if 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 men are allowed to do whatever in the church and they're not being chastised or they're not being we have a price like we in society, we got a problem with somebody telling us when you're wrong. Why can't we be wrong? We just move past it. But they will cater. They, most churches cater to the sensitivity. They cater to the emotions of a woman because it's more women in the church. But this is one of the reasons why a lot of men don't come to church. Just being honest, many men don't come to church because there is no accountability. You don't hear many, any, a lot of pastors teaching about how to be a man. You know, a, a teaching was wrong in the society, what we're doing as men. And that is a problem. I, I agree with that. That is a problem. However, that does not take away from your responsibility. And I don't think it's putting too much on a woman because we all should have accountability. But but if you are in a place where they're not speaking a, a, on the men, then that's a question you have to ask yourself is if but you're in the right place. It- I'm gonna play devil's advocate. Is it really the church job to teach? Why ain't it? 
Like, is is that the only place that they gonna get it from? Sometimes it is. I mean, that's the blueprint is the Bible. Where else is the Bible taught? Well, I'm just, I'm just. Okay. No, I'm, let me, let me, let me, let me jump in here for one second. <laughs> jump in. Because I totally disagree with us using the statement that there are no churches teaching men. I totally disagree with that. No, I say no churches. Yeah, and, and, and I, I want to be clear, especially for the people right. that's watching, because now we live in a time where we just blame the church on everything. That's why I'm The church not okay. doing this. The church not doing that. And and then we, we start getting into nitpicking the church and thinking that no church is teaching that. I don't I don't ever want us to generalize the church as a whole as not teaching men. Amen. Because I think it goes deeper than that. I don't believe the ball has been dropped with men. I don't believe that men are not teaching. I constantly see men groups. I constantly see man caves. I constantly see, you know, um, mentoring. I constantly see, you know, men fellowships, men outings. And so I cannot generalize a church and say that the church is not reaching out to the man now. And I don't I don't I want to qualify this because sometime we as men have a problem submitting to other men. Sometimes we have a problem expressing our needs to another man because most of the time men are natural leaders and we think that we have the answers. We think that we don't need to get fixed. We think that we don't need counseling. And so when we generalize it and say that there is no help or there's no training, we cannot do that because now we're just saying that no church is offering it. What about when a church does offer it, but no man wants to take it? And so I can cook a dinner every single week, but if you never come home for dinner, then you can't blame me for you not getting what you need when you have a responsibility in getting what you need as well. And so we have to understand that sometimes men are afraid to admit that they got problems. Men are afraid to admit that they need help. Men are afraid to, men are the last people that goes to the doctor. That's true. Because we don't like to readily admit that we got issues and we got problems. Whereas a, whereas a woman, they're more open. They're more free with their emotions. They're more free with calling out and, and needing help. You know, a lot of times men are going to pick up the phone. Hey, bro, I'm having a mental breakdown. Women do it every single day. Hey, sis, you ain't going to believe what happened to me. Men, we are more guarded. And it's, 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 it's not to take up for the men. Um, I think that that sometimes... Men need to feel that they are safe and feel that there is an environment where they can open up. But, but sometimes, you know, we complain, well, why ain't there training for the men? Well, when we offer it, no men show up. So, what, I, so what can we do to make it? I'm sorry. Go ahead. Now, 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 what I want to say is this. Now, everything you just said. You're right. Mm -hmm. Every church. Somebody said they disagree with me. Um, we mentioned the church because that was the topic. I'm speaking generally that we can't lay the blame on, we can't lay the entire blame on the church. Now I see. Now, now yeah. I, I see what I see. Now, yeah. what, but what I That's do, what I was saying. right? And what I'm saying, you shouldn't put the the blame is not on every church. But what I want to tell you, Pastor, is what you are saying. Mm -hmm. A lot of pastors will not say. Mm -hmm. And that's what it seems like they're saying. 
mm-hmm. is that what they hear some of them saying, we don't hear that. You don't hear the men be made accountable for in mm-hmm. the church as mm-hmm. much. Mm-hmm. And and I'm and I agree with them. I have I've in the churches I've been, it's not been many that have made the men accountable in the church. That's one of the reasons I'm so hard on my men. And they will tell you that because we have not been made accountable as much in many of them. Now, I'm not saying all of them, and the blame is mm-hmm. still not on the church because a man has to be a man. So the blame, it cannot be put on the church, but it just sounds like what they're saying is that in mm-hmm. the majority, a lot of church, I'm, a lot of them, I've I've heard mm-hmm. more spoke on the women. And I, I totally agree with than that. On the men. I totally agree with that. But I, I, I can definitely petition for both of you guys. I have, I'm being transparent here. Mm-hmm. So this is not hard to anybody in their ministries. Since I've known you two, I have seen more of you guys reaching out to the men than I've ever seen, you know, in my lifetime. Because even at our church, church, I I, you, I want the men to sit on the front. Yeah, exactly. The men have to sit on the front. The men have to be because, The men walk us to And my park. purpose of that is because I want that when people come in, they see the men in leadership yeah. roles and the yeah. men being used um, in their in their rightful place. And so I push the men to the front of the church because I want the people that when they come in, the first thing that they see is they see men. And, and I'm not male chauvin- chauvinistic, but I just believe in putting men in their rightful position. But, but see, that's the thing that we are talking about. Mm-hmm. You don't see that in mm-hmm. in many places, not mm-hmm. even just churches, mm-hmm. like even just just places I have been. Um, for example, I was in Detroit mm-hmm. with my mentor and um, the, the pastor had the man go to the gas station with me. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, you nobody go to no gas station mm-hmm. with me. I'm fine. He would not let me get out the car and pump my own gas. And I'm just like, I don't need you to pump my gas. <laughs> but because I'm not used to that, and that's mm-hmm. the way he's been trained, it's like a shocker to me. Like, oh, somebody opened the door, they pumping my gas, they were doing this and that for me. So I think that when it when it is presented to women, they are shocked. And it, when it is presented in churches, it's even a bigger thing because you don't see that type of leadership happening in churches. And it is forefronted more of women being the forefront of the churches, which I don't like see anything wrong with it, of course. But I do feel that sometimes we do have to, like I said, learn our place. But and, there, and there needs to be a healthy balance, too, because, yeah. you know, I, I, I'm a firm believer in women in leadership um, and I'm a firm believer in men in leadership as well. So there has to be a healthy balance. And I do believe that. And I, I want to say this and make this clear. I do believe it's the church's responsibility to minister to the man, the children, to minister to the entire family as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, now, have have the church failed in some areas? Yes, we have. We've, you know, um, y'all are working. We, we've all failed yeah. in, in some areas to, you know, address certain things. And you know, and and it's true. Sometimes, you know, some churches are easier on the men, and sometimes the church is easier on the men is because there's a lack of men. Yeah. And so, you know, we become, and I, you know. And I'm speaking not just from the church as a whole, but from my own personal experience um, that, you know, whenever there's a lack of men, you become lenient on what you lack mm-hmm. because you you want to keep that. Keep that. And, mm-hmm. and, and so do you know what I'm saying? No, and so I sometimes, you know, you know, um, and you discipline men different than you do women. Yeah. yeah. You know, like you discipline sons differently than you do daughters. I discipline my sons differently than I do uh, my daughter. Um, and so. And, and I noticed, you know, even as a father, and this is just me speaking as a father, 
you know, and, and I'm sure, you know, you can attest to this that, you know, coming up, you know, men were more lenient when their sons started having sex as opposed to their daughters having sex. No, seriously. And it's 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 the truth and it's it's a double standard, but it's the truth. Conformity. It's, it's the truth. Yeah, it's, it's the conformity. truth. Conformity. Um that's why like I like what you said about it's not it it's, it can't be blamed on the church is not to blame because men got to be accountable, man. We are, we conform to we the things of this world. You know, and then we want to blame it. We want to find every reason to blame it on somebody else. But it's not. It's not. It's the blame. You you have to be accountable for what you do, you know, especially as a man. I definitely agree with that because, and this is going to lead to our next question. Um, I feel that there are times that um, the men don't feel needed. They feel pushed away. They feel like, well, they don't need me, so I could just go on over here and do what I want to do. Mm-hmm. So, like, was there ever a time that you felt that or dealt with that in the, like, black community? Or... You mean in church? In or church? Or just as a whole? Or just a whole, period. Any... When me, it wasn't so much as me feeling needed. It was, like, neither here nor there. You know, that's I, I, something I, I never dealt with. Like, whether I was... I, it was a time I felt like, well, I, I really didn't count. But as far as, like, really they need it needs society needing me <clears throat> today i can honestly tell you i know society needs me i know society needs people like the man of god here i know that for a fact because of of, of what he's saying right now is, is is proof of the fact we need more men like this that's willing to speak up speak out and, and held each other accountable you know what i mean so i know now that i am needed but growing up i just was I was at a point in my life, I was dealing with a lot of things in my life. I stayed high for the majority of my 10 years. You know, I tell people all the time I don't remember a time between uh, 12 and 16 that I wasn't half marijuana. You know what I mean? That won't have weed. And I felt like I didn't, it didn't matter, you know, if I died or if I lived, you know, but as far as like, Thinking like, oh, they don't need me. No, nah, I never thought about that. You know, and then I had kids at an early age. You know, I had some talk of 16 years old. So then that's what made me start to reflect on life more. And it really brought me to a down state because I wasn't in a position to take care of any kids. Yeah. You know, so now I'm looking at myself like, well, I know they need me, but am I any use to them? You know what I mean? So I never, I never felt like I wasn't needed, you know, but now I know for a fact, oh, definitely I'm needed. You know, <laughs> no, I think he answered it perfectly. Oh, okay. I, think he, I think he answered it perfectly. <laughs> um, so, um, how does a man pour into um, their daughters? Like, we understand the different ways that a man can pour into their son, but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. what is the difference between pouring into your daughter and your son? What do you What do you feel? And we're gonna be transparent. Right? Yes, please. Okay. Only transparent. <laughs> you know, it's it's rough. It's better when you do it right. This is why I tell people all the time. When you, when you get married and you have kids the right way, you don't have to worry about it. But you gotta pay, you know, you do have you you forgive them for your sins. I repent for my sins and I forgive them for them, but I gotta deal with them. You know, and I have two older daughters. And they resent me. But I was gone five years of their life. Um, I never was the one 
to tell them, you you wrong for what you're doing. When I when I got into the to the Word of God and really started embracing this lifestyle and my faith, mm-hmm. I never was one to beat them up with the Word. But because I didn't conform to what they wanted me to, I tell them things like, you know, you got to show yourself to be better than the stereotype that's placed upon you in society, sweetheart. And I would say it just like that, but I would be looked at as the bad guy because I don't agree that you should go off on somebody or because I don't agree that you have the right to get out because you 17, 19. Or I don't agree that, you know, you should be able to cuss people out. You know, so it's like, it's like, how how do I, how do you? But I had to realize, and the reason I said what I said first about I had to deal with, you know, my the the, the my sin in in the matter. I still agree that my way of talking to them, embracing them, encouraging them, allowing them to see how I treat women. Mm-hmm. I think that's what you put more so than just what you say, but how you act towards women. You know how you how you uh, uh, reference a woman. How do you treat somebody that you call your woman, or how do you treat your wife? Mm-hmm. And I believe that's the best example for them. Also, to tell them to um, expect more of yourself. You know, like don't think that you 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 deserve anything less than perfection. You know, now nobody's perfect, but what do I mean? If somebody that's trying to do their best. You know, and I believe if you pour those things into them, and and um and and push and and encourage them, you know, even even when they're not in the household, you know, teach them to be respectful, you know, to always honor their mother, you know, and their father, whether they choose to do it or not. I believe that's a great way to go about pouring it to them. I agree. I believe that the fathers have to be protectors of their daughters. Amen. Um, I believe that we we have to be the first ones that show them what a man is supposed to be and how a man is supposed to treat them. Um, and so I, I think that as a father um, and, and with me having a daughter, having a daughter changes your view on life um, as a whole. Um, and so I think that we have to be protectors and nurturers um, of our daughters as well, of our queens. <clears throat> and we have to show them how a man is supposed to treat them. So once they get of age, they won't be impressed by what a man has the ability to do with do for them because their father has already shown them and given them a standard of how they should be treated. Say that fast. <clears throat> so um, Brianna had a question. She said, what advice will you give to boys slash men who don't have a positive male role model in their lives? <clears throat> advice about what? Brianna, <laughs> advice about what? <laughs> I'm just wondering, you know. While we're waiting on her to reply, mm-hmm. um, do you think that black men lack self-love? Why or why not? We. <laughs> no, I, I don't. <laughs> I really don't, man. What's that, Second Timothy, the third chapter, where it say we will become lovers of ourselves, mm-hmm. boisterous? You know, choose breakers. They talk about everything. Then they go into you know having a form of godliness, but the, the denying the power thereof. I believe that that's the state that we are in. Like men have really become a love lovers of themselves, and I believe that's the problem. You know, we love ourselves so much. They don't love God. <laughs> they just mm-hmm. loving on it. They think what I what I think is is what I think is right is gold. You know, but there are those of us 
who who understand that it's not just about me. Take away that selfish spirit, deny it, and rise up in, in selfless. You were telling me about black boys. Okay, one of the main reasons why they so effeminate because they see they don't see the black man as the the dominant man. And the reason why they don't see him as the dominant man, if this country really cared about you, I could tell you, I could tell you how to stop all this, uh, all these, all these women having babies and giving themselves to men. I, my generation, for a fact, it was many women that we grew up with who used to say, I ain't messing with nobody unless they got money. Mm-hmm. And they would not mess with you unless, unless you, you had money. money. They So they would keep their legs closed unless you had money. Now, if they would take that same mass state into this and if the government would say, listen, I'm not going to help you or give you assistance unless the father and the mother is in the household. Right. That's when I will assist you. If both parents, because statistics show that better children come from a household household where there's both parents. Right. Yeah. So if they will say, listen, I'm not going to help you unless both parents are in the household. The woman going to say, well, before I start having all these babies, but he's going to have to marry me because if he leave, I'm on my own. Yep. You see what I'm saying? They made it to where they didn't need the man. Didn't need the man. They pushed the man out. Even so much. It's so crazy. Like when you think about like Section 8 and stuff like that with people on that, they'll tell a man like the man got to live out a suitcase. It's like when you're on parole and you live in somewhere else, you got to leave some stuff over here just to show that you live over here. And you get, you know what I'm saying? Right. You know, so, but it's the opposite. You got to keep your stuff in a box or on a suitcase. So when them people come, you got to get out. So what do the kids see? What do the boys see? Oh, when they come check on us, here come the man. Here come the white man. Oh, you got to run. Daddy got to run. So he looking at him like he weak. Who provided? Well, mama doing it. And then he provided the mama. So they looking at him and they looking at the man, their father. As the weaker vessel. You know what I'm saying? All around. And what they do, so what they look at, they look at that, they're getting their mind state, he's nobody, he this, so I be more like my mama. You know what I'm saying? I want to be in control. I want to be in power. I'm going to be more like my mama. You know what I mean? Then they start taking on the things of their mama, or they running from their issues, just like they see daddy running from the house hiding. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to run and hide from everything, everything, instead of facing the things of life, you running from it. And that's what that's one of the main things that affect our boys. You know what I'm saying? And and the, and, the, and the government can help with that, but that's what the Democrats do. You know what I'm saying? That's what they do. They feed into that because they want to keep you like that. They want to keep you separated. They don't want you to be family. They don't want the man to be the dominant. They don't want the man to be looked at as, as man. And, and if you take the man away, you take away masculinity. And truth be told, like I said, if the woman knows she had that option, like we're not going to help you. If you have a kid, that's on you. Matter of fact, you can go even deeper than that. If they told the man, uh, this child is your responsibility. If you get a woman pregnant, it's on you. But what do they do? They take the man and push the man out yeah. again. See what I'm saying? They push the man out and say, uh, it's make, give it, it to, makes to so the much woman. sense. Like the dude upstairs was like, so what is what is identity? What is all these different things? And I tried to explain to him, but I don't think he understood. What I was saying is, um, it's it's in the Bible. The father gives the child their identity. Yes. And everybody has the each child is different. You know, no child is the same. Mm-hmm. But each child, you need to pour in something different in each child. Mm-hmm. If you take that time to get to know your child, you're going to know what I need to pour in and what I really need to focus on. Mm-hmm. And I really feel like that is what's really lacking because 
we didn't we didn't even see granddad. Right. We didn't even see granddad. So it was just like when uh, when you do have a father, it's like wow, you got a dad. dad. Mm-hmm. It's so shocking. Like it, and it shouldn't be like that. Mm-hmm. And. What I found out is like a lot of people. I thought I was the only person that lost my father when I was young. Okay. No. You know how many people in my generation lost Most their father to gun of, violence yes. and everything, and it's just like it. It amazes is me. Is that how you lost yours? Mm-hmm. I hate to hear that. Yeah, I'm I so my father passed away when I was two. Wow. He got One shot too. He got shot. The bullet was still in him, wow. and he was. I remember our last picture. He was in a wheelchair, wow. and he died right after that. He left six kids, two boys and the rest girls, four girls. So it's just, it's a repeating cycle right. because now my brothers lack some things. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And my sister, now she, she's a great mother. Like my, don't get me wrong. My brothers and my sisters are great mothers that have kids, great right. mothers and fathers, but it's just like, we were missing something. Yeah. It was definitely a gap. So I honestly was always looking for a father figure, mm-hmm. but it never was the type of father figure I knew I needed. Needed. Mm-hmm. So it, it that also plays a part into like relationships. Yeah. Because people don't realize how um, empty of a woman you are if you don't deal with those daddy issues. And then next thing you know, you're dealing with a man that was nine times out of ten like your father. father. <laughs> like, uh, or you look at him like, well, my dad was absent. I don't need a man around. Yes. You think, and you do need a man around. People people think that, no, you do need a man, especially when you have kids. Yeah. You know I'm saying? That was your purpose. What was you put here for? Man, I was, I'm, I'm telling you, it goes so deep, man. Yeah, it really does. And we got, we got so, I'm talking about <laughs> this topic was, this topic on point and they need it. And you know the crazy part is, I was, been, I was not feeling motivated this week. I was not. I'm like, I'm gonna just forget it. Cancel it. Yeah, I was really don't never do that. And I was gonna text y'all and be like, you know what? We'll we'll rebook it. But um, people wouldn't let me. It's like, no, this discussion. We need this discussion. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm ready to hear it. It's like, and you chose the perfect people. No, I'm like, okay, I won't do it. Right. But it, I definitely am interested. Because there's a lot of things I don't know. Mm-hmm. And I really feel like We all still searching. That's the part of it. You gotta yeah. keep you gotta keep searching. You definitely do. You gotta keep searching. So the next topic that I'm doing in March mm-hmm. is about um marriage. This March. You mean this yeah, we, next well, month. Well next month. Right. I mean, yeah. This March, um, I'm doing about marriage. That's dope. And um I did a survey from the ages of nineteen to thirty. Okay. I asked. Um, do you want to be married? Do you think marriage is something that um, you are supposed to do? Do you think that's the need in a relationship? Um, is that an end goal? Do you think marriage is last in black community in the black community? When I say ninety nine percent says they do not want to be married, wow! I said that is Horrible. a scary place to be. And I'm like, I gotta find some married people, some people that have been married or been through stuff. I would love, I'm telling you, that's another. I would, my wife, we, man, we deal with that all the time because you know we do so much marriage counseling. You know, so we counsel, we got somebody, we got a group, uh, uh, we got a couple in California we ca- we counsel. Wow. Yeah, we got a couple, and we, I'm talking about going some heavy stuff in California. And uh, man, when I tell you, man, it's so horrible that we have come to that. But that's that's the trick of the enemy, you know. God, the devil, the devil wants to do everything he can. You know, we was put on earth to glorify God. That's our purpose here mm-hmm. is to glorify him. People are like, that's all you put. I'm like, but first of all, 
they'll argue that up and down. I said, but do you know what glorifying God means? Right. It's in everything that you do, you glorify God. And that was our purpose. And when it comes to um when it comes to, you know, if if Satan, if the enemy can stop you from wanting to conceive, if he can get all y'all to turn to homosexuality and lesbianism and uh, get y'all to prefer to switch genders, then he stopped the creation of life. He stopped the glorification of God. Yep. That's his plan. That's what he wants to do. And we fall. We think we, we don't get it. We don't see it, but it's clear as day. It's the reason, man. I was listening to, you know, it's funny. I was listening to, because they be talking about this Dwayne Wade stuff and then Alicia Keys. And I didn't say nothing to Alicia Keys except she said about her son. I don't know if you saw that yet. Mm -mm. She, she said she took her son to the nail shop, right? He wanted, he took her son to the nail shop. First of all, why you take your son to the nail shop? But that's cool, too, because <laughs> men can go get their feet, nails done, everything. I don't mind that. But she said, he said, I want to get my nails painted, mommy. So... She said, okay, so dude, whoever was doing his nail told him to pick out the colors. So he picked out rainbow. So he got his nails done, rainbow colors. So he looked, after he got them done, he looked at them and he was like, she said, he's the demeanor change. Um, I don't want this. And she was like, why, baby? Why, why you don't want that? And then he said, because people are, are not going to like it and they're going to talk about me and laugh about me. And she told him, baby, listen here, you're creative. That's what you wanted. That's what you do, you know. And don't worry about what nobody else thinks. You know, you just be you. And then she went off until we all, you know, we all have a feminine side and a masculine side, energy, masculine and feminine energy. And we all need to, uh, 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 what she say, exercise or explore, explore that energy. Is you crazy? I'm like, she don't read, she don't definitely don't read the Bible because the Bible tell you that the feminine will not inherit the kingdom. Okay. And you know what I'm saying? First of all. So even though I said, and see, that's wrong. But I said, but even before then, the, 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 the truth of the situation was in the beginning. Right after he got his nails done, he looked at him and said, and said it ain't right. Exactly. He already felt that inside of him that it was wrong for me to do this. No, even though she said, Don't, 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 you can't worry about what nobody else thinks. No one is there to say anything about him. He felt that in himself. So instead of you telling him, you know, the experience, you should have told him, you know what, baby? Even 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 though they other people may do that, it's some it's a lot that will agree with you. But you feel like it's wrong. Otherwise, you wouldn't have said it. And you're right. You shouldn't wear that. Boys don't get their nails painted, and it's okay. You know, now you can get them clean. You can get them um, uh, manicured. Now, if you want to put a clear coat over it, that's up to you or not. But you don't you you don't do that. The boys don't get their nails painted and they, they toes done and stuff like that. So it's okay. You know, you do something else. And you know what he would have said? He would have been like, oh, okay. He would have like, that's all up 24, 25, 25, but it's not a full from Roosevelt to Harvard. It's just from Harvard, I mean, from Roosevelt to Baton. It's just from Harvard to Baton. So we say 21 blocks. So let's give or take a couple. But it's really only 21 blocks because between 13th and 17th ain't Maywood. So you got 21 blocks. You got over 21 churches in 21 blocks. Why? Because you need something to control the people. But then when you go to these big white communities, they got one church, yes, miles, and they and they prosper. Yeah, that that's one of my biggest things. 